good morning. Wow, it's really packed in here. I hadn't really realized. When I sat down earlier, it was a bit early, so there was only a few people in here. And wow, we've really packed it out, so good job. <laughs> well done. Wow. Well, I'm very excited to be able to share with you again today. It's a little bit hot, so hopefully um, we can manage to press through that and hear what God has for us today, because he's got some really exciting things to uh, highlight to us and unpack for us, which is really good. Um, As Amy mentioned, we are going to be continuing our series. We started a new series last week looking at the book of Philippians, um, which has a real theme of uh, joy and the, the joyful sort of Christian life throughout it. So that's going to be the ongoing theme, um, and we'll uh, hopefully draw some of that out again today. Um, The passage that we're going to be looking at, if you want to uh, flick or um, scroll to it, is going to be out of Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. Chapter 1, verse 12 to 18. And this is uh, Paul reflects in this passage about um, his time in captivity. Um, I'm sure a lot of you will know that he was uh, in captivity for uh, the last part of his life, taken over to Rome, uh, guarded by Roman soldiers. So that's the context for the passage we're going to be looking at. What I want us to focus on today is looking at his, or kind of deducing, we're going to be Sherlock Holmes this morning, deducing his mindset behind the thoughts that he expresses there and trying to learn from that about the the joyful Christian life with regard to the advance of the gospel, the advance of the kingdom. Can't say too much on that or I'll end up spoiling the rest of it. (laughs) But I want to encourage us today, leave us with the encouragement to um, perhaps adjust some of our mindsets, adjust some of our focuses um, as we live in this, this joyful Christian life to lead us into more fullness and more fruitfulness. So let's just pray together. Holy Spirit, we just love your presence. We invite you here. Just come and rest on us afresh right now. Just come and lay your presence on us. Come and fill us up with your presence. We want to hear from you. We want to hear what Jesus is saying to, to KCC this morning. Thank you that you are the expert communicator and teacher. So take all the jumbled thoughts in my head and all the passion in my heart and just streamline that into a clear message that highlights what it is you have for us today. We love you, we bless you, and we tune into you. In Jesus' name, amen. Fantastic. Hello. (laughs) All of us have, throughout our week different areas of life, right? I mean, we all have, we have maybe a job or maybe social settings, friendship groups, um, clubs, who knows what. Different spheres of influence. So that's the, the places that we go each, uh, each week. God has put us in those places. By faith, we recognize that God's led us into those settings uh, with a heart to um, bring about fruit and productiveness, That's what Jesus said. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit. So the heart of the kingdom is very much that it's one that is productive, uh, that the Christian life is one that produces good things, good works. So the questions for us today are, well, how do we have an impact in those settings? And how do we live like advancing the gospel is our number one priority in this joyful Christian life? How do we live like the advance of the gospel is our number one priority? 
So let's crack into the passage. So Philippians chapter 1, starting at verse 12. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear, although some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Wow, what a, what a heart there, that his, his number one priority was like, you know what, I don't care whether they're preaching it because their hearts are rotten and they want to promote themselves, or if they genuinely love Christ and love the, the work, I'm just stoked that the gospel is getting out there. Like his number one thing was just like, yes, let's get it out there. Let's get this good news into every ear, every heart. You can feel that, that enthusiasm from him. So let's focus, first of all, on verse 12 and 13. What kind of mindset is behind that? I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that in every, uh, it's become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. There's a sense there. He talks about the whole imperial guard. So he was being watched over and guarded by uh, a garrison, I don't know how many soldiers that is, a large number of soldiers. Uh, and as I understand it, they were actually chained to him. There was somebody at least, one, maybe two, chained to him constantly throughout the day. Imagine that setting. Like, imagine having no private space. Like, Paul was a man of prayer, so imagine those moments of intimacy and closeness with God with a gruff, burly, sweaty Roman soldier sitting next to you. You know, a man of a thousand battles, really rough and ready. And you're there pouring your heart out in praise and worship to God. But what I love about that is his heart there. You know, you can't help but imagine that he was preaching the gospel to whoever was unlucky enough to be sat next to him that day. Sharing his heart. Do you want to know why I'm here? I'm talking to God right now. Do you want to know what's going on in my heart? Do you want to know why I serve this God? Let me tell you. And so as the guard shifts were changing... More and more of them were cycling in into this situation where they had no choice but to listen to the gospel. And it spread throughout the entire garrison. That guy's in for this Jesus that we've heard about. That Jewish Messiah. But see, Paul had this special mindset. And this is the first mindset I want us to to look at today. I'm calling it a, a discipler's mindset. A discipler's mindset. So whatever context he found himself in, whatever sort of relationships were around him, he was in this disciple's mindset, uh, working to make disciples and to share the gospel. I'm going to be quoting from a couple of books today. Uh, This first one is called Becoming a Contagious Church. I'd recommend it. It's very interesting, very good. It's a strategic way of developing a church that is contagious. It's written by a guy called Mark Mittelberg. If any of you have heard of the Willow Creek Association in America, uh, he was the lead on evangelism there with uh, guys like Bill Hybels. And uh, I'm going to 
dot a little bit just to kind of draw out the point that I want to make, but um, uh, let's have a look at it. Jesus commissioned us to become persuasive communicators of his love and truth. That is, he asks us to become contagious Christians and to build contagious churches that will do whatever is necessary with the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit to bring more and more people to him. If you love Christ, I'm confident that your spirit is saying, yes, that's right. I long to become that kind of Christian and to be a part of that kind of church. I really want to impact people's lives and eternities. Well, what will it take to have the widespread impact that we were made to have? Relational evangelism plays a vital role. That's why I wrote uh, Becoming a Contagious Christian and uh, developed a course. He talks a little bit about those two here, so I'm, I'm moving through that. We wanted to equip ordinary believers to communicate their faith naturally and effectively. People come to Christ one life at a time, and usually through the influence of one or two authentic Christians who have built genuine relationships with them. All believers can and should have that kind of an impact on the people around them. How interesting is that? All believers can have that kind of an impact in their settings around them, no matter who they're sitting next to, who they're rubbing shoulders with. There's some sort of an opportunity. Whether you feel like you've got the, the passion and the wisdom of Paul, or you feel maybe you're maybe a bit more like me and dithering and not quite sure what to do, but all right, I'll give it a go. doesn't matter. Every single one of us have the opportunity to have some kind of an impact because the Holy Spirit lives within us. So we carry this disciple's mindset out into our week, into whatever setting we're in, thinking about how we build relationships uh, with that mindset of how can I disciple, how can I speak into the lives of the people around them. So this was, for me, um, a lesson I began to look at and learn um, several years ago. Some of you will know I um, blather on about the time I worked in the Odeon Cinema in the Galleria in Hatfield. Great fun, not glamorous, <laughs> but lots of fun, yeah. Uh, worked with some amazing people, and on the quieter times, um, on shifts, I try and falteringly take opportunities to strike up conversations with people. So just asking them questions, you know, so like, what's your worldview? You know, something light, nice and easy, you know, kind of just to ease into it. But just having this curiosity thing. Let me understand you. Where do you come from? What do you think about these things? Um, and through doing that, through having these conversations, there'd be little opportunities to sort of say, wow, that's really cool. Do you know, I read a book once that talked about that. It talked about the Christian perspective. Um, what did it say? It said this. What do you think of that? Just curiosity, letting conversations flow naturally. And my heart was beating out of my chest probably nine times out of ten doing that. <laughs> but the fruit that came from it, you know, I'd, over the years I'd have people come up to me and ask me questions. I'd have opportunities to, to actually share a bit more of the gospel. There was one um, woman that I worked with throughout the nearly five years that I was there. And I, through doing that and starting there, I'd have opportunities to actually share a bit of my testimony with her. Um, eventually invited her to Alpha. Um, she ended up giving her life to Jesus at the end of it. Like that, it genuinely makes a difference. We may not be the one to steward them across the entire process of coming to Christ, crossing the line of faith and beyond. It might be that we just give them a little bit here and there. But absolutely, every single one of us can have that kind of an impact. Just little things, even if it's just loving them, just making a cup of tea for them, whatever it is. Everyone can do that. 
Hands up who knows how to make a cup of tea. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're British. We love tea, right? Anyway, um, all of us can have that impact. Little things like sharing about the fact that we went to church. When you meet somebody for the first time, try and make it a thing to mention as soon as possible, naturally, of course. You don't want to go, hi, my name's Robin. I go to church. <laughs> Not that keen. Naturally, just allow your Christian life to bubble over. They're like, oh, how was your weekend? Oh, yeah, it was good. I um, went to church on Sunday. You know, we did this afterwards. Just mention it. Little things, little things. Um, mention something that stood out to you from the preach. Share a testimony from your week. Share the gospel, the good news message, if it's appropriate. Don't ram it down people's throats. You know, don't jump straight into, you've got to understand the steps of the gospel and how it applies to your life. Just be genuine. Just be genuine. Suggest books. Ask questions. Get curious. Stoke up your curiosity. Think about questions beforehand. If you see, like I saw one guy um, who was listening to um, lectures by a... Um, uh, Canadian clinical psychologist called Jordan Peterson, who was talking about uh, the Bible. And he mentioned that to me, so I went away and listened to some of Jordan Peterson's stuff. Went right over my head, couldn't really understand it, but at least I was keen, right? <laughs> Show an interest and invest in, in their viewpoint, how they see the world, because people open up to people that are interested. So that's the first thing I want us to take away today. Having this disciples mindset, in any relational situation that we're in, I can somehow, with just little things, help this person move closer to Christ. Closer to God's love. The second thing, looking at verse 14 uh, to 18. Let's dive back to the passage. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of rivalry, uh, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. What sort of mindset is, is behind that? It's this sense of, as I've said, gospel... Um, advancement is kind of number one in his thinking. But he has this sense that it, he's not just an isolated believer, right? He's not just stuck in prison on his own. I mean, he's writing a letter to an entire church, you know? He's got a, a sense, a picture of this broader span of things into which he plays his part. Now, obviously, he's an apostle, so his influence is, is quite large. And for us, obviously, it's a, it's a different picture. But we very much are plugged into this, this bigger picture that he was plugged into. So Paul carried a second mindset, which I want to call uh, a missional movement mindset. Those are three big M words. What on earth do they mean? <laughs> His life was an expression of the church's mission to make disciples who make disciples. I was thinking historically... Church has kind of looked like different ways to, in different settings, right? So um, sometimes you might have, I suppose I think of it as the vicar of Dibley kind of picture, where you've got a, a vicar or a pastor, and people kind of come along to church and they want to learn you know, good Christian values like charity and, and hope and love. Um, 
Maybe there'll be a social element to church, a, a fete or a tombola, you know, to raise money for charity, who knows? A social element. But by and large, there isn't much outreach, there isn't much evangelism going on. Maybe the pastor goes door to door in the community or turns up at community events, but it's the pastor's job, right? Or maybe churches have taken that and they've also added to it maybe a more evangelistic element of putting on events, you know, a talk, um, or a, like we, we've done in the past, a carol service. The idea being, well, bring your friends and get the leaders to preach to them. That's kind of generally been a lot of the pattern for church life over the years, but it's always been about the leaders kind of doing the sharing. Now, both are good, and both contain good elements. There's nothing wrong with a social element to church. We need that community. There's nothing wrong with a pastor going door to door. You know, if he's gifted in that, more power to him. Um, there's nothing wrong with putting on evangelistic events, talks, carol services, whatever, get people in to listen to the gospel. There's nothing wrong with that. That can also play a part in discipling people into the kingdom. But both of those are incomplete pictures when we think about the church that Paul was thinking about. So my second quote comes out of a book called uh, Movements That Change the World. This is by a guy called Steve Addison. Um, he is the Australian director of Church Resource Ministries. He's a traveling teacher, trainer in evangelism, basically. Uh, let me find my page. So... Jesus was the very first missionary. He talks about this missional movement mindset. He didn't start an organization. He didn't write a book. He didn't run for office. What Jesus did was to found a missionary movement that would one day span the globe. Jesus went from town to town demonstrating the compassion and power of God as he healed the sick and cast out demons. He sought out people who were responsive to his message. Fishermen, tax collectors, farmers, prostitutes, soldiers, beggars, notorious sinners. His mission was to seek and save them by giving his life as a ransom for them. That's how the mission of Jesus became a missionary movement. The church Jesus founded was a missionary church. Its existence and activities were an expression of its missionary calling. Its members were fearlessly determined to win others to faith in Jesus as the crucified and risen Messiah. And their mission field began at home in Jerusalem and Judea and extended to the ends of the earth. The goal and purpose of their missionary work was the making of disciples and the creation of communities of disciples. People who turned from their old way of life and put their trust in Jesus and obeyed his teachings. So Jesus didn't come to establish a church service. He didn't teach the disciples, right, okay, well, what you do is you start at the holy time, which is 10.30. That's really important. You've got to start bang on. Maybe you can have some tea and coffee beforehand, right, and biscuits. Make sure there's bourbons. They like bourbons. That'll bring the people in. And then you've got to have your sermon. You've got to have all the elements that you need. Just sing some songs. That's lovely. He didn't come to establish a church service. He came to invite sinners uh, and to save them and to launch a self-replicating movement, a missionary movement, a church on a mission to make disciples. So I carry this sense of excitement about KCC and about our future together 
because what we have now is wonderful. We're building community together. We're learning from the word. We're getting into things. We're, we're growing. We're seeing what God's doing as he's raising people up and, and encouraging us. But there's so much more for us. I would like to suggest that today, if we carry a disciples mindset, we can also carry this missional movement mindset. And we can see KCC become a place of, uh, how would you say it? Where people come in for, for training, for equipping, and then they bounce out again to the mission field. Jesus said, look at the fields, they're white with harvest. They're ready for the, the, the reaping. And I need more workers to go out. And that's what the Christian life is. We are a, a missional movement on a mission, uh, stepping into the field, doing the work, having that disciples mindset, speaking into people's lives, encouraging them and loving them. Then we bounce back into the church setting, whatever church event it is, whether it's you know, Sunday or um, community groups or anything, for, for training for teaching and equipping so that we're rooted and grounded in the word, just like Paul was. We come in for healing, to be ministered to by one another, to be activated in the Holy Spirit and filled with his presence, to receive impartation and new gifts and new power. There's a social element to it. We keep ourselves in a loving community setting with each other, so we do break bread, we hang out with each other, we enjoy each other, and then we bounce back out again. We take what we've been imparted to us and we put it back into practice and we do the field again. Then we bounce back into the church. Then we bounce out, in, out, in, out. Shake it all about. So Paul had a missional movement mindset. He had this joy that, well, at least the gospel is being preached. At least the kingdom is advancing because he understood I'm part of this missional movement that has a purpose to get out there and bring the good news about Jesus into the hopelessness of people's situations. Alan, thank you for sharing what you shared this morning. There was a hopeless situation that our God intervened in because that's what he does. He sees brokenness. He sees depression. He sees anxiety. He sees fear. He sees addiction. He sees sin and brokenness and family disruption, all of which is going on in the town around us and in the lives of the people we know. And he says, I have an answer to that. I will speak to that. There's no one else, no other power that can change these situations but mine, and I'm going to do something about it. But do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to use the broken people who've come to me, the people I've fixed up and healed, and our work's in progress. I'm going to send them. Because then people have the opportunity to see this stuff is real. I'm not just a perfect God who sits on his cloud expecting you to be perfect to come to me. I'm the one that gets in the muck and I stand beside you and I hold you up and I heal you up and I move you out. I had a picture several years ago of Jesus kind of just on a walk in this wide open plain and there was a huge crowd of people behind him. And as he was walking and the crowd was sort of following him, He'd see an individual on the ground and he'd kneel down to them and speak to them. And then he'd turn around to the crowd and he'd, he'd call somebody out from the crowd and say, hey, uh, can, you just, can you minister to this one for me? Spot on, thank you. And then he'd keep walking and there'd be another one and another one. And he'd call people out of the crowd into ministering. It's because what he wants to do like a father is invite us into what he's about, what his process is. So this is why Paul rejoiced that the gospel was moving forward because that was the mission. He carried this missional movement mindset. And we too are part of this, this missional movement as a community of disciples. 
So today, I want to give us those two perspectives, a disciples mindset and a missional movement mindset, because KCC has a bright future. Do you know some of the promises that we've received as a church are yet to be fulfilled? We were singing today, all your promises are yes and amen. I wanted to share uh, just a couple of them here. Um, unfortunately, I don't have exact dates, etc., from when they were um, given to us, um, but just over the last 10 years or so, some of these have been building up. And these are from weekends away, visiting speakers, this kind of thing, this prophetic sense. So they're very separate and kind of isolated events. Uh, here's one here from uh, a prophet called Adrian Horner. God is changing your shape as a church, uh, a more maternity feel. If we had more baby Christians around, what would it look like? We need to prepare like when preparing a nursery room. There's going to be a shift that's going to take months, maybe two years, of preparing for evangelistic growth. God has given you authority in Hatfield. In one sense, you're the spiritual government. You can make declarations. Declare over your town new birth. There's power coming. You have authority. Here's another one. A lake. You're going to be a church that's not just an oasis where people come to be refreshed, but a lake where people come in and are sent out. There's that missional movement promise. Coming in for training, bouncing out to the mission field. Last one. Corner shop. You're going from a corner shop to a supermarket. You've lived with smallness but need to be prepared to be bigger and have systems and people in place to enable us to cope as we grow. God has a trajectory for this church. God wants to lead us into these promises, into new things. He's calling us to be disciples. What I didn't mention is you can also disciple within the church. Hopefully that's a given. But that little process of speaking this here, act of love there to draw people closer to Jesus, we can do with each other. So we live with this constant disciples mindset. And God's reminding us that we're part of this missional movement. Just like Paul was grounded in that mindset. We're a community of disciples who make disciples. We train and equip and get ready. Then we bounce out to the field and minister. And then we repeat. We come back in again. As we, as we grow in this, grow into the fullness of this, and we're sharing in God's, uh, living God's joyful life, this is how we impart, uh, have an impact on our spheres of influence and how we live like advancing the gospel is our number one priority. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much that we can have an impact on the lives of the people around us. We can see you touching them. We can see their lives changed and shaped by your power and love, them being freed up and healed of the things that are holding them down. Thank you that you are doing this in us, works in progress, but that we are part of your missional movement. Thank you for your power and your leading, and I just pray that you would teach us more about this, help us to grow in this. And we just say yes to you, faithful one. Amen.